0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 308 of the Juicebox podcast. Today's show is sponsored by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor and by the Omnipod Tubeless Insulin Pump. You can find out more about the Omnipod at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. And at that link, you'll be able to order an absolutely free, no obligation demonstration pod that will be sent directly to you. If you'd like to hear more about the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, that link is dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. All of the links are in the show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com, just in case you can't remember them. I have tried to record this opening six times. And it has not gone right once, so maybe me admitting that out loud will help the seventh chance. Sarah's on the show today to tell us about her daughter's diagnosis. The diagnosis happened in South Korea because the family lived there because Sarah's husband is active duty military. This is very interesting to hear about the diagnosis as it happened in South Korea and how the family quickly got back to the United States. There's some twists and turns along the way and even a kitten, but none of that explains why this episode is called Psychoglycemia. This weekend I'm gonna be in Atlanta speaking at the JDRF Type 1 Nation event. I think it's sold out, I'm sorry, but however, I'm very excited to see those of you who are able to get tickets. The next thing I'm doing is in Wisconsin. That still has tickets available. So I'll be in Wisconsin on March 26th. It's a Thursday evening. I will be speaking from 5 p.m. until 8:30 p.m. All about being bold with insulin. I'm gonna talk all about the tools, how to use them. Get people going in a better direction, hopefully. You can go to ardentsday.com forward slash events to learn more. Please remember that even though most of this story happens in South Korea, nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your health care plan or becoming bold with insulin. My
1: name is Sarah Beth. Uh, Batrell and um, I am an active duty spouse. My husband is um, in the Army, and our daughter Adeline, who is seven, has type one diabetes.
0: Okay, and you have uh, fifteen other children? Is that correct?
1: <laughs> no, I have a total of four daughters.
0: Wow! Did so? Did you have triplets or? Sets no, no, no. Um
1: we actually had two canceled deployments <laughs> is how that happened.
0: <laughs> You're just talking about free time, is that what we're looking at here?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Jeff was in town. That's what happened.
0: <laughs> well, I, I have to tell you, <clears throat> I'm gonna join the military immediately if that's how this <laughs> works. <laughs> I've never been drawn to service until I realized that it <laughs> creates <laughs> yeah. a lonely woman that I can visit once in a while.
1: <laughs> Pretty much. That is accurate.
0: Well, don't tell the kids that. Make up something about you wanted to have kids and you, know, yeah. you really loved the first one and couldn't get enough. You'll, you'll find a way to get through it. Uh, <laughs> can you really – you, you imagine that when they get much older – Sarah, and you're like you know, like a, a wizened veteran of life, and you're like in your 50s, and they're like, why are there four of us? And you're like, oh, your father wasn't home a lot. They're going to have this horrified look <laughs> on their face for a second, and then Thanksgiving dinner will just go on as normal.
1: Right? I'm going to traumatize them. Yeah.
0: They're going to picture you in that moment still doing that, and they're just going to be like, oh my God, do you think they still do it?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That's nice.
0: And you're going to say, why do you think it's uh, stovetop stuffing? I didn't have time. For the uh, Yeah, for the real pretty thing. much.
1: Yeah. I have time for nothing.
0: <laughs> well, Sarah, you're a player. I think that's what we've learned right off the bat, and we're going to get going. Um, <laughs> so you are stationed, or your husband is stationed in South Korea when your daughter's diagnosed.
1: That is correct. We were actually all in South Korea. Um, so when you get orders to go to South Korea, you can do... Um, one of two things, you can go what they call unaccompanied um, and go by yourself. And that usually um, you are, you are um, going to be there for a year, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or you can go accompanied and bring your family. And Jeff and I chose to go as a family, because he had actually just returned um, from a nine month rotation in Korea. So he was gone for nine months, he came home for about four months and then we went back to Korea as a family.
0: Now, Sarah, that's what he told you. He wanted you to all come along so you could be together. He he really just didn't want a fifth kid. And he thought, <laughs> right. if I go to, I can't afford five children. If I go to South Korea and come back a year from now, I know where this is going. You, you know, yes. So, right. <laughs> you guys, yes. They, bringing, bringing you and the children to South Korea was birth control. And you're, <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: that's, what that's how I'm I saying guess. this. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs>
0: Anyway, so you, so that's when you choose a deployment that's with your family, does that mean more time or no? Yes.
1: Um, so when you take your family, you've um, pretty much committed to two years while you're over there.
0: Makes sense. Moving cost.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, we went and we had spent a year and Jeff was offered another job that would be a two-year commitment. So... In order to take that job, he had to actually extend and do a total of three years in Korea, mm-hmm. which we were on board for. Um, and we went with that. We decided to come home over the summer after the first full year in Korea, just to visit family. And um, I didn't notice Adeline um, her symptoms at that time, but it was. Immediately after we returned to Korea to do that second year that you know she started having all of the basic symptoms. and they um I took her in to a doctor, and it's very hot, very humid um in the summer in Korea. In fact, one of our friends when we first moved there had said, this is the hottest you will ever be and the coldest you will ever be at this duty station. (laughs) Terrific. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, um, so it was summer, you know, we were rounding out summer and ready to go back to school. And I noticed she was urinating a lot. She was losing some weight, just all of the basic symptoms that, you know, typically show up. Um, so I took her into the doctor and they thought it was just the, you know, the heat, the humidity was warm. She was drinking more. She would produce more urine. She was growing. She was getting taller, but she was losing weight. So they just thought, you know, push some sense. more. Yeah. yeah put push, push, push some more fat in her diet, stuff like that. Um, so then we were on the playground and Adeline fell off the slide and busted her chin open. And had to get some stitches. So we had to take her to a local hospital off post there. um, And they gave her a form of an antibiotic that she had the stitches. They um, gave her some antibiotics, an injection of it. And she broke out in a rash. And this is right before she was diagnosed, maybe two weeks. Um, She we took her in again. She's at this point now she's very frail. She's we're seeing bones where, you know, it's, it's, Oh my gosh. It's significant what she's lost. And, um,
0: may I stop you right there at that, at that juncture, when you're like looking at ribs and things like that, are you saying to yourself, like, are you and your husband speaking to each other and saying, look, there's something incredibly wrong with her. Oh, what's the level of.
1: Yes. I actually had brought up, diabetes three times at the doctor's. And I know it's, I'm not faulting anyone because I know it's something that's often overlooked that, um, you know, we don't get it right the first time. Um, so it, it just happened that all of these other things were going on at the same time that that is why she was overlooked. Yeah. So she broke out in the rash. I took her back to the doctor. I said, you know, Something's off. She's at this point not feeling well, and they thought it was the antibiotic, which was typically an antibiotic that they don't give to kids or don't maybe um, prescribe in the U.S. often um, because it is reactive. So they thought that that was part of this antibiotic that she had been given, and then they just said they thought that she had, you know, picked up a virus while she was in the hospital.
0: So there kept being excuses for what you could see right in front of you, but that wasn't leading you to answers. Like, in, like what was the waiting like? Was, was there expectation like, oh, this is getting better because we've done this thing or this will get better because we've taken this step? Or were you at that point just staring and thinking, we're not really doing anything and she's getting worse?
1: Right. So as a couple weeks later, we run into Halloween. And, you know, every kid is excited about Halloween. Um, she, Adeline did not at this point was so, she just wasn't herself. She didn't even want to do the, you know, we lived in these towers and there were three of them side by side and, um, multiple floors, like 12, 13 floors, depending on the building. So lots of apartments, tons of candy. And she ended up just doing our building. And then she went back in and laid on the couch um, she didn't want to do the additional two buildings with the other girls and it, totally not like her.
0: Yeah.
1: And so from Halloween on, she pretty much laid on that couch. Um, she was very lethargic. I finally, it was a Saturday morning and I got up and I said to Jeff, I said, I feel like I'm watching her die. Something's not right. Um, and so I called the doctor and said, she's very lethargic. And that was the key word that threw everybody off. And they were like, well, If she's lethargic, you have to take her to the hospital. So at that time, the hospital on um, Camp Humphreys wasn't completed. So we had to go drive about 20 minutes up to um, an Air Force base and have her seen at that emergency room. Mm -hmm. So we took her in and they, again, in the hospital said they thought it was a virus. Um, And finally, you know, I, I had stayed home with the other three girls and Jeff had scooped Adeline off the couch because she couldn't even, at this point, she wasn't even coherent. She wasn't even doing basic functions like walking. So Jeff scooped her up, took her um, to the hospital, drove her there. Um, She was kind of in and out of consciousness in the car is what Jeff had told me. So he took her in and they just thought again, it was this virus. And I happened to, for some reason, I got on my phone and I Googled type one diabetes symptoms and I sent Jeff an article. He reviewed it. And then while the doctor came in and was saying, you know, it's a virus, he said to them, can we please test her for diabetes? And they were hesitant. They said, you know, I don't think that's what this is, but we'll do it. And a few minutes later, they came back in the room and said, you were right. She's a diabetic. So um, that's how her diagnosis happened. Um, we were taken from the hospital um, by ambulance. I had swapped I had a friend come up and watch the girl so I could go to the emergency room to be with Adeline, and Jeff was going to come home and be with the kids. And I rode in the ambulance up with her to into Seoul um, to Samsung Hospital there. And, um, that's where she was in the hospital for about a week once we were, um, out of that, uh, ER.
0: So I have a number of questions about that first part.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: and, and it'll give you a chance to regroup. It's a, it's a well-told story. Thank you. Um, it, how much of a language barrier is there at the hospital? Like, do you and your husband speak Korean a little bit?
1: Uh, just, I mean, I could speak very I could I could get by at the market is basically what I could do. I see. Um I there is a language barrier but um Koreans are very good at English. Okay. Um they just don't it's like any culture you know if we go to another country if I go to France I'm not going to even if I was fluent in French I'm going to be hesitant to actually use it in conversation. Mm. So I think that was the piece because they the, everybody that I um worked with, they would, I, you're assigned a translator. So, um, I had someone that they would speak in Korean. Cause I mean, that's their sure. language of comfort and they, um, the translator would translate it for me.
0: Oh, at work.
1: It, no, not at, well, so at, at work, for Jeff? Is that what you're asking? I, I just,
0: I, I got lost for a second there because you, you said you were assigned a translator just in your regular life or? or no, no
1: it, at the hospital. At the
0: hospital. I'm sorry. Yes. There was just that one piece that I missed. So, okay. Sorry. So, so no, no, please don't be sorry. So there's i uh, I'm sure it was my fault. You don't realize that while you're talking, I'm also trying to formulate what we're going to say next. And <laughs> once in a while I drift away and I'm like, Oh, you know what I'm going to ask about? And then I started thinking about this, um, South Korean zombie movie that I really liked. And I was like, I wonder how I can work this into the conversation, which is meaningless. And then I missed a key key thing that you said there. Anyway, I, I apologize. So there's a, so there's a translator at the hospital and that, though well, that makes total sense. Even though you feel like the hospital staff could have probably spoken to you.
1: Um, uh, they actually there was a few moments where you know you're assigned a translator and they come into the room when you have like education classes or your team of doctors comes in and there would be a few moments where maybe she was running behind and they would speak to me in English um but I think they just weren't comfortable Yeah, I
0: don't want to so, miss anything either. I would
1: imagine. Yeah, right. yeah. So it was they could do it uh, and they were very good at it. There, the um the team that I had would, you know, after the meeting, they would say, Thank you, you know, for being so good about um, my English. They would always think that their English was poor. And it, I mean, it was phenomenal, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They, they did very well. I could understand everything.
0: Well, well, I have to say, you know, in your note, you say that her uh, Adeline's A1C at the time she was diagnosed was 17%. I'm fairly comfortable saying, if you don't Google that article and push your husband, she, Probably doesn't make it if they send her out of that hospital again telling her that it's that it's something else, uh especially with your description of her,
1: yes, she um I don't think she would have made it either. I really do think that it was something I don't know what it was about that moment where I just happened to pick up my phone and say, "I really think we're missing something, and I asked about this, and it just was something that was you know I remember we went on a trip around right before she was diagnosed, I took her to Everland, which is kind of like a Korean Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was maybe, maybe 40 minutes to an hour trip. And Adeline, we had to stop twice there and twice on the way home for her to use the restroom. Um, she just couldn't, I mean, in 40 minutes, yeah. she had to go twice. It was just something that was frequently urinating. It was not, something was off, right. you know. She could have the,
0: been drinking that much.
1: No. I mean, she was, she was definitely chugging water, but it was, it was, you know, it, there was just so many things that were off that, and she had all of those key symptoms. And then when we started, I mean, I could see her full pelvis by the time that we took her in. So it was like, she is, this is not right. This is not healthy. Something's wrong.
0: Do you have a feeling for how much weight she lost during the time it took you to kind of figure this all out?
1: When she was, um, taken to Samsung. I think they weighed her in and she was under 40 pounds. She was about 38, 37, maybe. Um, right now she's well over 50. So she, it was, it was a lot of weight.
0: Stark amount. Yeah. Uh, and you said, and she was getting taller, so it probably even looked.
1: Yeah, it it was not, it was not good. That's I mean, I even had, it was to the point that I was taking pictures of her just to have it, you know, so, yeah. I could compare how much
0: oh, I see. Yeah, of course. she
1: was losing yeah. just the ab- amount of bone that was coming through.
0: I remember Arden gaining about two pounds in the first twenty four hours she was on insulin, yeah, because she was in that scenario too. So she was much younger, but you know, she only weighed nineteen pounds prior to us figuring it out. by the time we figured it out she was like seventeen. And mm-hmm. then she put the two pounds, like as soon as it's like you injected the insulin in her and she just, you know, the weight went back on her, which was, it was just really magical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she looked like, I, I said it on the podcast recently, like Arden, Arden looked like a, like a runway model with a heroin problem. Like she was really, oh, she, yeah. she had gotten to that like gaunt thing. And it, it is funny because as you were describing and I thought I did all the same things you did. You're like, well, there's reasons for this. Like everything that happened, you were like, oh, I can see why this would happen. Instead of just thinking, you know, this isn't normal, and let's go to a hospital and bang on the door until someone fixes it. Like, but mm-hmm. why, why would we leave? You, you know what I mean? Like, why would I ever walk away until there was a, a, an actual answer found? But it's just the process. It's how it goes. And, you know, it, it really is it, – it, it shows you – how what happens next to most people happens, right? And you're going to mm-hmm. talk about it after a while, but like, you know, you doctors don't tell you everything. You go home, it doesn't seem right, and you still just, you swallow. You know what I mean? You just swallow it. You're just like, okay, sure, you know, I'll inject the insulin and then eat right away. And now I see my blood sugar spike right up. Oh, they said it's okay. I saw someone online say it the other day, like, my blood sugar goes to like 280, but then it comes back and the doctor says that's what it's supposed to do. And the <laughs> but, right, And the person saying... I don't feel like that's right, but how do I trust myself? You, you, you know what I mean? Like, in, and how do you trust yourself during the diagnosis when you're like, Hey, this really seems like diabetes. Like, no, no, that's a virus. You, yeah. You, you know, and you just go, okay, virus. Thanks. And can you imagine, and I don't want you to, but I guess, you know, for the sake of the conversation, imagine had you not followed your instincts there and your daughter passed away. You,
1: you, I know. I think yeah. about it often.
0: Yeah. Absolutely your husband owes you huge. And uh seriously I'm seriously saying for one of the kids you're way ahead in the marriage right now whether you've it or not you could probably screw like 3 major things up. I don't even think he could say anything.
1: But, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I didn't look at it from that oh, perspective but I guess you're well,
0: right. I'm keeping score over here so that's how I know. But um yeah you're you're way ahead. <laughs> just, just so you know you could probably stop cleaning I'm going to say for six months. You know, if the <laughs> cleaning something you do. You want to cheat once? I think you get away with it. What do you think of that? I like it. Like you roll back home. You're like, hey, Jeff, remember the time I saved the kid? We're going to let this go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I should probably throw that out every once in a while.
0: <laughs> it could at least get you out of, like, some mundane task you don't want to do, right? Like, hey. Why doesn't somebody who didn't save Adeline come over here and pick up these toys? (laughs) Right. That's how I would roll. Um, I really wouldn't, but it seems like so much fun to think about it that way to me. My brain (laughs) gets a little off track. I, um, I don't want to apologize for it because I like how I am, but I was online the other day and someone said something to me. And I responded in a way that I thought was fun. And then someone came on and said, like, man, you're not right. And I was like, no, it's funny. Like, don't you? And then I looked at it. And I was like, yeah, I don't see anyone else answer things like this, like this. There really <laughs> is something wrong with me. But in a delightful way. So who cares, right? Um, right. Anyway, you, so you're at the Samsung Medical Center. All this is going on. How long did they keep you there? And by the way, is everything named Samsung in Korea? Okay, let's go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox and find out what we see. Myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Well, I see that I can request a free experience kit at that very web address. So if you're using MDI and you're thinking about pumping, or if you have a pump and you're dreaming about what it might be like to be tubeless, oh, did you not know the Omnipod has no tubing? That you won't be connected to a wired controller, something that you'll have to clip to your belt or your bra or hide in your pants or disconnect to take a shower or go swimming or to play sports. Wait a minute, you didn't know that? Now you do. The next step is to get a demo sent to your house, a free pod experience kit. They're just gonna send it to you. Now, don't worry, it's not functioning, right? It's a non-functioning, but you can try it on and wear it. And I think you very well might learn what I did when I wore my free pod experience kit. Is so that after it's on for a few minutes, you just don't notice it's there anymore. The next thing you know, you're going about your life. So whether or not you're a person living with type 1 diabetes or the parent or caregiver of someone who does, you owe it to yourself to check out the Omnipod. It's myomnipod.com forward slash box. Get the absolutely free pod experience kit sent to your house. There's no obligation. They're not gonna hound you if you try it. So just check it out. It can't hurt. The Omnipod is one half of the irreplaceable technology that my daughter uses. Do You know what the other half is? In case you couldn't guess, it was the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. I'm gonna kinda keep going here with my URL trend. URL, the URL, URL. Dexcom.com forward slash box. Now when you get there, you're going to find out everything you need to know about the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. I'll tell you a little bit about it. Zero finger sticks. Glucose readings that are right on your smart device, Android or Apple. Customizable alerts and alarms. The ability to share your data with someone else. That could mean your sister in Poughkeepsie, or it could mean your child across the street at a play date. But someone with type 1 diabetes who's wearing a Dexcom G6 can share their data with a loved one or friend. I'm not even going to edit that out. That's my daughter's right there. We have a customized alarm set at 120. means my daughter's blood sugar has just drifted above 120. We're going to take care of that right now with some insulin. That will avoid a high blood sugar that later will require a ton of insulin that will probably cause a low blood sugar later. Now, your results may vary, right? These are ours. But the truth is, knowing the speed and direction of your blood sugar is at the core of how you make good decisions with insulin. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, or the links in your show notes or juiceboxpodcast.com. I cannot believe that thing beeped right then, and I wove it into the ad. I'm a genius. All right, let's get back to the show.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I shouldn't say everything, but Samsung has a very big influence. I mean, they have everything's air conditioners, like anything is Samsung. Mm -hmm. So I love the
0: televisions. I'm looking at one right now to be perfect. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: we were at Samsung for about a week. Mm Um, yeah, I, I think it was just maybe just shy of a week.
0: Do you think that's because of how far along she was, or also because they don't see type one that often?
1: So from my understanding, they don't see type one that often. I don't know if it's genetics. I don't know. I, again, this is something that I was told. I'm not sure how accurate that statement is. Sure, sure. Um, but I, I don't think that it's as predominant as it is in the U S. So, um, you know, they kind of, in the first week it was, it was a very strong learning curve um uh they first started talking about you know I had tons of questions obviously and you know you've even mentioned it on a few of the podcasts where you're almost in like a haze Yeah. so everything's being thrown at you all of this information then you have the language barrier as well and the translator and it's I felt like I was drowning like I felt like I was underwater and then the translator would speak and my head would pop up and I could kind of understand that I'd go back underwater while they were speaking. So it was was very, um, it was was hard for a while. Um, but I finally think I, I got a grasp and I felt comfortable going home, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, but while we were at the hospital, the doctor that I had at um, Humphreys before we had left. Um, she was a pediatrician there. She actually personally called me. Now, I don't know how she found out that we were at the hospital. I'm not sure if the emergency room reported that we, you know, this was all going on. Um, but she personally called me while we were at Samsung and she talked to me for maybe an hour and said, I really feel like you should pursue going back to the States. And so, um, it was with her, it was really her cause I hadn't even thought that far ahead at that point. You know, I was still trying to understand injections and finger pokes and all of that, you know, basic stuff. Yeah. Um, we were still trying to figure out her Traceeba and, you know, as she was on Novo Rapid at that time. And so like all of those ratios and everything, we were, there was still a lot going on. So um I it wasn't until I got back home that she asked to see me in her office with Adeline. She wanted a, an immediate follow-up. And that's where all of the extra we're com- we're going back to the states, but I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. I guess what I meant to say is while we were in the hospital, the um the staff started talking about pumps, insulin pumps, um CGMs, Things like that, um, and I know that the specs on the equipment in Korea don't match U.S. specs. So it was also, um, I think, a, an insurance issue. Maybe I'm not exactly sure, um, because in the states, Tricare pays for the the supplies, mm-hmm. but over there, it, everything is out of pocket. Okay. So. I remember they showed me a CGM that was huge. It looked like a an old pager almost. And they were like, well, you can, this is, you know, kind of explaining it to me and how it worked and we could get it. But it was um, the, the day following my phone call with a pediatrician. I said, I don't know if we're going back to the States or not. Um, and so they kind of said, well, I would advise that you, you know, See what's going to happen, and then come back if you're going to stay and get the the equipment versus buying it because they were the ones that told me it doesn't meet U.S. standards, so it won't operate there.
0: And I so when you're in the in the hospital still, and you describe kind of drifting away, do you recall? Did you just go to a numb place, or were you overwhelmed? It, was it like being in? math class and not understanding was it like were you were you daydreaming about this not happening were you thinking about worse things do you remember what happens in that space you may not
1: i do remember um just i i just kept thinking why her why adeline why did this happen to us so it was more of a you know like um I really struggled with it. I remember I cried so much that Adeline, I remember asking the nurse the first day that she came in and gave her an injection before she ate breakfast. Cause they had her fast. Um, so that they could, I, I guess, you know, do some testing, monitor her, stuff like that. So by the next day after we had, we went left to the ER, went to Samsung that whole entire time. Overnight, they were fasting her and and she just kept waking up and she was crying. She was so hungry. Finally, they sedated her so that they could give her some potassium um, because, you know, that burns going in. So they tried to give it to her before we left the ER, but it just she was screaming in pain. So they sedated her and they gave her the potassium and that helped her get through the night. But by the time the next morning came, she was starving. Um, so they came in to give her her insulin. And I remember I just looked at the nurse and I was crying and I said, do- so I have to do this to her for the rest of her life. And Adeline, like, Adeline looked up at me and she was like, oh, mom, why are you crying? <laughs> you know, she just, I think she had seen me cry so much in that short time that it was like,
0: you what is nurse. wrong with you? Pull it together. Yeah. Yeah. I need I need someone here and you got to really help me. I'm six and I'm hungry. And <laughs> None of these people speak English and I really would love it if someone here was on Adeline's team. You know what I mean? Not here. I think it's a, listen, I mean, it's an adage of parenting, right? There's a a line between how much do you show them and how much do you buck up and do what you're supposed to do. And I'm a fan of somewhere in the middle. I like my kids to know I'm a real person, um, without them feeling the stress and anxiety of the things that I worry about. You know, I, I think about, um you know, bills or, or, you know, how are you going to pay for college, that kind of stuff. And I want my son, for instance, to know that this, you know, the college he's going to, it's not easy for us to pay for. And at the same time, I don't want him getting up every morning and thinking, oh, I better not screw this up because my parents are paying a lot of money, but I want him somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I like that your daughter sees that you care about her. Uh, but you got to stop short of when she thinks, oh God, I got to grab one of these other adults and see if they'll take care of me. (laughs) This woman just lost it. I, she's probably, you know, I mean, my dad has gotten her pregnant so many times that she's probably tired, you know. And uh, and what are we gonna do? Uh, I listen. I cried during the um during the first kind of like lesson from a nurse about counting carbs and then figuring out how much insulin to use during the ratio. Like I just fell apart. And uh, my wife was like cognizant enough to send the nurse out of the room. She said, "Give him a minute." Because at the moment he appears not to understand seventh grade math. So let's get him out, you know, like, and and I'm going to need this here because he's the guy that stays with the kids. Um, you know, so she cleared the room out. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm going to kill her. Like, I'm going to make a mistake with this math and I'm just going to kill her. Mm-hmm. And then what am I going to do? How am I going to turn to you and say, hey, look what I did. You know, we met each other when we were kids and we have these two children in this house and everything was going great. And then she got diabetes and then fast forward to me killing her. <laughs> and, you know, like I really, you don't keep, you're a nice person. You don't keep score in your head. But I know for a fact, if I kill one of my kids, my wife's bailing on me, you, you, you know, a side of the part where I would really like Arden to stay alive. I, you know, but I've always had that thought before diabetes, like even driving in the car with my son when he was little, I thought I cannot have an accident and hurt this kid. She's just a girl I married. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like when it comes Mm -hmm. down to picking, if I kill him, she's going to (laughs) leave. Like, like, why would she not? And I really, to be honest, she pays a lot of the bills. So I was like, it really, I only kept my son alive to get the electric bill paid is what I'm saying. (laughs) That was my, was my key focus of being a stay at home parent. I wish that, you know, anyway.
1: I do remember um, leaving the hospital. I basically, um, I wagered with these, with the staff, like, you know, they were, First, they were going to release us the night before, and traffic in to Seoul is horrific. Like, Highway 1, it's, I think, six lanes per side, maybe eight. I I can't remember, but, you know, it's bumper-to-bumper traffic, and especially rush hour. So I'm thinking, I'm going to have this kid in the car. And how do I feed her? How do I give her an injection on the way home? So I just basically said, can I leave Saturday morning yeah. <laughs>
0: instead? I, around
1: 4? You know, I just don't,
0: <laughs> there's no one outside. Well, you know, I looked while we were talking. The population of South Korea is 51 million people.
1: And, and most and, of them are
0: in Seoul. And, per, and for perspective, there are 329 million people in the U.S. And South Korea, South Korea is, you know, not seven times, you know, Larger than the US. It, it it's no. there's 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 a lot of people jammed into a very tiny space.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um did you ever listen to the podcast while you were there?
1: I did not. Actually, um so I you... thought I was
0: meeting the people who downloaded it from South Korea, but apparently you're not, I'm sure... you're not those people. So
1: No, but at the time I didn't have a diabetic while we were over there. Right, I mean right. it was By the time Adeline was diagnosed November 3rd, we left country December 17th.
0: Um,
1: That is something that does not typically happen. Um, And that was a a lot to do with our doctor being on board, um, Jeff's chain of command being very supportive, and um, they would... Check on things for us. I mean, it was we were getting pushed through the system very quickly, which is this is not typical. Right.
0: So when you get home, I'm assuming you you don't have a home in the U S. at that point. Did you? You're not. It's not like yours a house at home somewhere that you're renting or or family members living. You go to another base. Is that correct?
1: Um. So. Before we left, they um, Jeff was getting in contact with his branch manager and they basically give you an assignment before you leave. You have to have a place to go, you know, where you're, you're headed. And they were, it, you, when a child or anyone, I guess, I shouldn't just say a child, but when someone in your family, if you're an active duty service member, um, has a, some form of, uh, disablement or disability or, um, you know, disease, you, um, you qualify for what's called EFMP, which is an exceptional family member program. So, um, Adeline is now an EFMP, uh, qualified member of our family. And so that basically it's an identifier on Jeff's, um, paperwork that says, you know, we can, because of that, we can only go to certain places now. Um, so, um, they, they basically give you options that has care for her. Okay. Um, so they gave him a list and I had done a little bit of research before I had left. Um, my good friend, Kathy was helping me, um, kind of see where we, possibilities of places we could go and where care was. And, I had in my mind that I wanted to come back to Fort Bragg. We were here before we left for Korea. Mm -hmm. Um, And they offered us a couple of places. And I said to Jeff, you know, I would really like to get back to Fort Bragg because I had already, I have a support system here. I had left friends. I was familiar with the area. um, So I knew going into this, newly diagnosed that I needed that. Um, So he got with his ranch, um, manager and asked if there was anything available here, which is not like my husband at all. We usually go wherever the job is. We're not very selective, um, with that. So he, he basically asked and they, they assigned him here. So that's how we ended up back here. But when we left Korea, um, Jeff and I are both from Michigan. So we had stored like his truck, Um, things like that at our parents' homes in Michigan. So we took a direct flight out of Seoul into Detroit, picked up our belongings, and then headed down to North Carolina.
0: Wow, that's a lot. All while not really understanding diabetes at this point and trying to keep yeah, together. Yeah, Yeah. I I have a a lot of a lot of feeling for you because I was not good at even getting in the car and going to like the grocery store without pre-planning for like two hours before I would take Arden out. I'd be like getting her blood sugar in the exact place where I thought it'll stay here. We can get across town. Right. You know what I mean? Like if you would have told me to get in the car in uh, in Detroit and drive to North Carolina, i have been like maybe in a couple of years.
1: <laughs> I, I think uh, you know the car trip down was a lot easier than the sixteen-hour plane ride mm-hmm. back because <laughs> that was terrifying.
0: Does a plane make you feel trapped? Like if something happens, we're stuck on this
1: Oh, I was so worried. I remember when we went to Korea that someone on the plane had some sort of medical emergency and they, you know, got on the the intercom and asked for any medical uh, providers if they could come up to whatever row, seat, whatever, you know. And so I just I kept thinking, what if that happens to us? Yeah, right. I have to be very aware of where my child is, what row we're in, what seat we're in. You know,
0: you overthought all of that. Yeah. Because you really did overthink all of it. Because now you know. I mean, you would fly now and it wouldn't be such a big deal, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: Back then, without the tools, it
1: really oh, is. Oh, yeah. It's and I, I mean, I had like a year's supply of insulin. Um <laughs> I really did. I My um, pediatrician before we left um, at Humphreys told me, you know, we had a follow-up with Samsung about a month after diagnosis. So mm-hmm. it was beginning of December. They wanted to see her back. So I think it maybe was like the first week of December we were up there. And before we went, the pediatrician said, make sure that they give you a three-month supply of insulin before you get on the plane because, you know, it's there will be... A gap between your care, you know, establishing a doctor or things like that. So um, I went and I asked for a three month supply, but they handed me, you know, the pens come in those boxes where there's multiple pens in a box and they handed me like three or four boxes. And so I had tons of insulin that I'm walking on a plane. I'm thinking, how am I going to keep this cold? You know what happens? Will they let me on the plane with this? I have all these needles in my bag. You know, it was just a lot of questions, a lot Mm -hmm. going on, a lot of paranoia,
0: a lot of questions. Yes, (laughs) I hear you. I really do. I um, I so you make it home. There's actually great episodes in the podcast of people who are like really world travelers with diabetes, and they talk about how, with a tiny bit of pre-planning and just understanding things a little bit, how easy it really is that it's not
1: much. Yeah, it's. Now I could get back on the plane and I would feel completely comfortable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I know how to, I think I could go anywhere at this point. Seriously, like, but back then, like I said, I couldn't leave the house. So she, yeah. you, you get home in, right? Wow, well, even that, I didn't realize just now that sucks. Like you, you, you had to come home like right before Christmas. Mm-hmm. So, and do you, you celebrate your, and so you're like, isn't that interesting? The leap I made, I'm like, you're in the army and you're from Michigan. You're Christian, and so <laughs> <laughs> I wish yeah. you could. Have, I wish you could have watched the synopsis, make connections in my head. I was like, "Oh, it's comfortable to say," and um, now that I said it out loud, it's less comfortable. But th- that is how my brain works. In case you're wondering, I just let through no. that very quickly. Plus, you had four kids, no self-respecting yeah. Jew, <laughs> so it's just not like not that quick succession like that. Anyway, um, and so you you're, you're rolling in. Stateside just a couple of days before Christmas. Now I have a tiny bit of experience with this uh, rush because one year we built a house and we bought this tiny little rancher and it was junk and the plan was always to knock it over and started, you know, because the land was what we wanted and um, Arden gets diagnosed, you know, right as we're thinking of like doing the work. So no lie, we had a construction person there moving things around like walls and support inside of our home to facilitate the next step of the process. Okay. And one of the things we had done to get ready for the construction was we had the front stairs um, to our house and the sidewalk completely taken out and the door moved to another position. And then Arden was diagnosed for years. My children had to jump out the front door to go to school. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because Arden was diagnosed and then everything stopped while we yeah, it figured out off. diabetes, you know? So anyway, we finally get our house built many, many years later. Arden was diagnosed in 2006 and we built our house in 2012. So for six years, I was the person in town that didn't have a sidewalk out front and whose <laughs> and door didn't line up with any sort of pathway. And the pizza guy would just like roll through the front yard. You know what I mean? Like it was all, it was like, it was horrible. And... We built this house, but we couldn't afford to build it and to relocate. So it's a long story, but we had gotten the money all of a sudden out of nowhere for the construction. That money did not include relocation, and we were screwed. We were going to have to skip it and not do it. I said to my wife, I'm like, Kelly, there is no way we are not building this house. And so one day I called her at work and I said, this weekend we're going to go and buy a huge travel trailer and park it in the backyard, and we're going to live in it during the construction because we can put $1,000 down on it, pay some small payment a month on it, and then right. we'll sell it right away when we're finished with it. And there's a whole story of what it's like to live in a trailer with a dog and two children and diabetes for six months. But anyway. Oh, so you did do it. Okay. Oh, we did it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Except the construction then of course, you know, I know now, always takes longer than you expect. And so we are the last six weeks in that trailer it's freezing outside and those things are not made for the weather. We have like Mm -hmm. electric heaters going, like it's a fire hazard. I'm sure, you know, uh, we'd get up in the morning. I could hear my wife get in that tiny little shower and she's like, ah, 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 like in and out in like two seconds. The water was free, everything. Right. But we moved back into the house about 10 days before Christmas. And the rush to try to make a real Christmas was like horrible. And I wondered if that happened. to You did you get home like because I'm a you're, you seem like a really good mom. Like did you get home, get back into North Carolina? Was your next thought I have to make a Christmas for these people? Like
1: so, it's funny that you bring this up because I had planned, you know, some of the girls' gifts and things like that, and I actually ended up returning them all. And I started ordering things online and sending them to my mother in law's house. Um. My my parents, what they call snowbirds, so they leave Michigan. Um, it, 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 they stay in Michigan for six months and live in Florida for six months. So they had already headed down to Florida. Um, we actually have a travel trailer that we store at their house. Um, so we had to go over there and pick up the travel trailer, but we ended up staying at Jeff's parents' house and doing Christmas there. So she already had it set up and... You know, I'm blessed with a, an amazing mother in law. And so she did, like, she had a, I think it sparked happiness that we were coming back and she was going to have Christmas with all of us, you know? So it was a big thing. All of us were at my mother in law's for Christmas. So myself, Jeff, the girls, his sister Jamie, her husband, their children so it was a big thing we did um they always have a family christmas party so we had to go to that so it wasn't it was very felt very normal it, but i was able to step into that now if i had to
0: start from you scratch know, yeah. yeah
1: it would have been completely different
0: well yeah well she owes you too i mean four kids you know what i mean like at some point she must have even call jeff at some point and been like can you cut that girl a break like you know <laughs> and, and hey, you just, you know, you kept plugging away. No, there's no pun in there at all. And you, you know, I think she owes you is what I'm saying. Like seriously, four kids. Hey, she's going to listen to this at some point. This woman really came through for you with the grandchildren. Yeah, right? yeah. I That's
1: think a- I think she knew that it was something on my mind. That it was I was trying to still make it normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so she just she was willing to. to and, and Carol goes overboard at Christmas. <laughs> there's no there's no way around it. So it was it was nice that she was already set up and we were good. We were taken care of.
0: All right. So eventually then you end up back at Bragg where you're at now. And right. And you're speaking to me from from there. And, mm-hmm. and you, I'm assuming, settle into a life of managing diabetes. And how did you find it to be in the beginning?
1: So coming back, we have this funny um, little story that we came back to Fort Bragg again because we came right back to the neighborhood we lived in before. And in fact, we rented a home. And our neighbors to that home um, were actually at the time trying to sell the house we're in right now. And so they weren't, the movement cycle had already come and gone and it was sitting empty. So I contacted them because we're friends and I said, you know, Hannah, would you be willing to rent the home to us? And because she knew us, she was like, absolutely. um, Anything I can do to help you guys. Because I mean, again, we were friends, she understood what was going on. Um, we were communicating from Korea at that point. Mm-hmm. Once we found out we were coming back to Fort Bragg, so I we actually are living in the house next door to the house we rented before. So when we moved back, um, I would have to like you know the girls. We're in a very family friendly community and um, lots of children, uh, lots of outside play. So when they were like riding their bikes, for example, and the kids had to use the bathroom. They would like jump off their bikes and run to the old house. And Jeff and I would have to sit outside for like the first month and scream at them, not our house.
0: That's not our house.
1: <laughs> and they, they would have to like, it. the light bulb would go off and they'd be like, Oh, that's right. We live in this house now <laughs> and it would come in. But, um, we also with another reason why we chose to come back is my best friend actually lives across the street mm. and, Another peaceful piece to this is that they're. Um, oh, I'm sorry, you're going to hear our cat right now. I'm not sure why she's meowing. Oh, but
0: I, I genuinely thought one of your children had fallen and died. So
1: nope, I'm, that's, I'm happy that's to know um, it's the cat, actually. Yes, it's Adeline's cat. We had to get a cat. That was Addie's, like, you know, the moment of, hey, I have diabetes. You're going to sympathize with me and get me a cat, which I'm well, allergic to. <laughs> wow,
0: well, she was able to pull that off at six.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, while still in the hospital, Jeff came home with a, a cat.
0: The kid went her. right to I need a cat when she saw you guys crying?
1: Uh, oh, Yeah, pretty good. much oh, is, is how God. that went down. Listen, oh, yeah.
0: Oh, Anyone listening, 8, 10, 20 years from now, don't marry this girl. She's got a plan. You, you know what I mean? I, <laughs> she's like, look, they look sad. She got out her list. She's like, what's on the top of my six-year-old list? Ooh, cat. Cat. <laughs> Mom's yeah. allergic. Whatever.
1: It doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> Wait a minute! Did you fly from Korea with a cat? You didn't, right? You got... Oh
1: yes, I did. Wait, and what? that was also oh, yeah. yes. Oh yes, see, a so... kitten. And I mean, she was just a kitten. She had just, you know, was old enough to get her rabies shot and things like that. I mean, she screeched the entire way. Uh, okay. We were those people. Hold it on, was awful.
0: <laughs> hold on one second. What's Jeff's job in the military? Is he a test dummy? How did he come through with a uh, cat in Korea? <laughs>
1: Jeff is a, an aviation officer, so he um, he flies.
0: Okay. Sounds like he's got a heart made out of pudding. That kid said cat, and he ran right to oh, find yeah. a cat. Oh.
1: Well, it was more me. It was She had asked oh, for it, I and then there was this like adoption. Thing. It just all lined up. The stars were all aligned, and yeah. we ended up with this <laughs> I, cat. <laughs>
0: I put you back in that scenario right now. The person you are today, that kid goes, I want a cat. You look right at her and go, I don't care. And then that's the next <laughs> thing. You just jump.
1: Right? Would you... Now she can't pull that on me anymore. It was just that weak moment.
0: <laughs> she blew all of her currency on that cat. She doesn't realize because she's so little, but that was uh, oh, yeah. she overreached there. She doesn't know. Oh uh, yep. yeah, yeah. She did. Oh, well, whatever. Uh good. Now she can live. I swear I wish you guys could all like my default is no. You like if my children are like, Hey Dad, the house is on fire, should we go outside? I go, No. And then we think about it. I say no <laughs> to everything. I start at no, and if you get me to yes, Huge win for you. Um, I would never, my son said he was in school the other day and uh, some kid was like, hey, we should just go do this. And my, my my kid's like, my dad won't pay for that. And and he's like, just, you know, you have a card, like, let's just do it. Like, he's got his, like his, you know, his, his bank card. And my son was like, oh my God, no. Like, he'll drive up here and take me out of school over, <laughs> 50, over $50. You have no idea. Like, I can't do that. And I was like, proud. I was like, that's right. When Arden goes clothes shopping, she picks out three outfits and as she's heading to the register she stops and puts one back and my oh. and my wife goes i feel bad like you've made her feel bad about money i'm like i see that exactly the opposite as you but okay um I, right. yeah i see that as she, her being careful with what she's spending Anyway, uh, yeah, your kid wouldn't have got a cat if she was my daughter. I would have actually <laughs> laughed at her. I would have, like, pulled people into the room. But, like, hey, guys, everybody, listen to this story. My daughter thinks just because she has diabetes we're buying a cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's delightful. You're a pushover. I like you. Okay. So we're, <laughs> so we're home and 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 we, you know. We,
1: yep. you, so you, we uh, moved in next door to or across the street from my best friends, friend yeah. who they actually have um, their – nephew is a type one diabetic. So it was, it was, it was a relief for me because they were aware Mm -hmm. already how to, you know, manage Addy in a sense, you know, they, they they understood it. Most people don't understand understand. and, you know, on the, on that, on the level that you need them to. So yeah, it was, it was extremely, um, it wasn't as difficult as what I thought it was going to be.
0: And and you're using a meter or pens or pump, a CGM. What did you settle into when you got? got yes.
1: Yeah, so I had, uh, she was using a meter. She's getting finger pokes. And I mean, it was to the point that I was so nervous with everything that was going on. I mean, just in that one month time span of. You know, we're in another country, we're getting on a plane, yeah. we're taking this huge car trip, like we're moving to a new house. So it, it felt like I was, I was testing her probably every two hours. Her poor little fingertips were just raw Yeah. by the time that we ended up getting a CGM. Um, we came to North Carolina and um, on post, you usually go on post to be seen for your healthcare, but they were overstrengthened. So they um refer you off post and you can see a medical provider that takes accepts tricare so um i found a really reputable um pediatrician and then had to go in to get a referral for um a pediatric endocrinologist mm-hmm. so they at first um, thankfully our pediatrician um She, her best friend's daughter is a type one. So she's also aware at this point. So that was super helpful. And she had come to, you know, in the first um, meeting with her and, you know, um, evaluating Adeline was saying, you know, I think you should go to UNC, which we had gone to UNC before when we were stationed here for um, my second daughter, Kenzie, um, needed to go to some specialty care up there. And I knew it was quite a a drive, you know, about an hour, hour and a half to, um, the main campus. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, at this point now I'm like, well, I don't want to be that far away from the doctor. So I said to her, you know, like I said earlier, I had done a minimal research on whether there was care here for Adeline or not. So I knew that there was a doctor here in the immediate, like Fayetteville area, um, so I said, can I see the doctor at Cape Fear? And she, you know, was kind of like, yeah, sure. But, you know, but I, she did say, I want you to know that if anything happens to Adeline and you have to take her to the hospital, I want you to go direct to UNC if possible. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. And flash forward, I go to Adeline's first visit here at Cape Fear for the endocrinologist. And the doctor, the, 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 doctor was fine. It's just, she's the only doctor in our area. She is the only pediatric endocrinologist for all of the Fayetteville area.
0: Every kid, then every person that needs her. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, she was, I remember the first visit, she was very, very helpful in getting us a CGM. She said, you need this. And, you know, I come in and saying, can I have it? I, you know, I'm finger poking her every two hours cause I'm uncomfortable. Um, And she said, you know, you need it. So she got us that very quickly. But I do remember, you know, obviously, it's all new and uncomfortable. And, you know, I, I didn't understand it. And she said, if there's a video to how to put it on how to, you can watch the video if you have any problems. She kind of I don't want to paint her in a poor light, but she said, I'm just too busy. You're not going to be able to come in here and see me if you have any problems with it. I I can't make time for that. You figure it out. And Yeah. Yeah. And so I I just remember standing there like, okay. And she had, Adeline's HA1C had, by the time from diagnosis, she was 17%. Mm -hmm. The month later when we went back at the follow-up in Korea, she was like nine something. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we got back to um, Fort Bragg, sorry, I'm like losing my mind. Um, we got back to Fort Bragg and that first visit her HA1C was like 8%. Okay. And, um, so she was, she was declining and that was great, but I had in my mind, you know, we were, Jeff, Jeff is very research-based. So he was watching some like, um, like YouTube channel on diabetes and like how they were doing it. And, you know, so I was aware of what a quote unquote, good Mm -hmm. HA1C was. Um, And I'm a perfectionist. So I was like, we're going to get her there. I want her to be in a really good range. Um, So I remember I walked into that first appointment and I was expecting everything to get changed. I just thought, I knew her like it's
0: not five and a half. So let's make some adjustments now. Right. Okay,
1: and, and club. I was seeing, you know, there were so many times where, I mean, I was finger poking her, so I didn't get the, the graphs. I didn't get the arrows, the number like yeah. you get with her Dexcom now, but I knew well enough that I was like, why is she going up to 300 every time she eats? And you're telling me that you want her in this tighter range. And you know, when we left Korea, to be on the safe side, they told me don't ever let her, you know, go under. I can't remember what number they said, but they were basically telling me the 200 mark was a good target, right? Keep her around 150, 200. That's great. Okay. Um, and then when I went into this appointment, I just knew something was off because, again, we're already, my husband's watching all this stuff on how to figure out Addie's disease and. I'm seeing all this, you know, all these other success stories and I'm like, okay, so this isn't right. Something's off. And I expected her to help me change it. But she kind of just said, you're doing great. I'm not changing anything. See you in three months. And I remember I walked out and I was like, this doesn't feel right. Uh, Something is, you know, I know she can do better. um, And I am still not comfortable. Mm -hmm. So we get the CGM and I ended up... I was doing, I was on Facebook or something, I was on a page, and your podcast was suggested. And so I just decided, you know, I'd never listened to podcasts before. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a whirl. And so listening to some of the stories that you had featured on the podcast, it's where you started talking about pre-bolus. I had never even been told to pre-bolus. Just that in and of itself was brought down Adeline's stuff. I kept, could keep her in a better range. She wasn't spiking to 300 with her food. You know, it was, I was told give her the insulin, let her eat, and then she'll come back down. Like you had mentioned earlier and I knew it wasn't right. So I finally called our pediatrician back and said, Hey, can you, can I go to UNC? I'll, I'll do that. I'm going to, I need to make a change. I don't, this isn't a good fit for us. So
0: worth the ride,
1: right? And so she gave us the referral, and now we're at UNC. And between the information I have received from the podcast and the doctor, the team of doctors, she's doing really, really well.
0: Oh, I'm good. What what is well? Where where are you where have you gotten to? Are you okay to say?
1: Um, so her next appointment is uh, um, October second, but the last appointment, her A one C was five point seven. Ah, congratulations. You did it. Yeah. yeah. I did it. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's I don't know if I could do it without the CGM. And I don't know if I could do it if I would have stayed where I was and accepted, oh, "Okay, I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't we're not going to make any changes. Everything's great."
0: Yeah. Yeah, they said um, it was okay, so it's okay. You just have to trust yourself at some point. I mean, honestly, you retold you you know, you basically told me a story about seeing how sick your daughter was and pushing through and getting them to test her for diabetes. And then you saw that what you thought, you know, what they were telling you was right about her care didn't look right. You pushed through and, you know, that worked out as well. So I say, trust your gut. I say it all the time, actually. Uh, It's a big part of this is that, you know, is that idea that when you see something that doesn't make sense, you should say something, you should do something. can't just stand still and go, this doesn't seem right. I hope this doesn't hit me. Oh, look, it hit me. I can't believe that. You you know, like, it's just, you got to move. You got to do something. And you did it. That's really cool. I mean, I'm really, uh, it's very um, encouraging for me to hear you say that because, you know, I get everyone's notes and letters and, you know, messages and, People are in different variations of this process. And at any point along the line, if you give up, you'll get stuck right where you are. And then eventually you'll drift backwards. So you have to push through until you get to the point where it's just like, it's easy now. And then, of course, I don't mean easy like easy. I just mean like it's, it's old hat. Like you do this thing and you get the blood sugar you expect you know, like that, that kind of stuff. And when it goes wrong, you just, you know, troubleshoot it and, and you figure it out.
1: That's oh yeah. Really cool. I mean, Jeff even listens to the podcast now and, um, it was just the other day with Addie going back to school. Now we've had to make some changes because her summer, you know, routine is different than her school routine. So our numbers have needed to be tweaked a little bit. And, I would, you know, I'm t- basically talking out loud to myself. I mean, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about where you're, you know, you're looking at the PDM. I'm like, all right, I know I need to change the, and I'm, you know, I'm blah, blah, blah to myself. And Jeff's like, just change it. You know, he's like, just like what Scott says on the podcast, like, don't wait, do it now. <laughs> I'm like, well, that, Okay.
0: <laughs> that's great. And it makes me feel bad about considering calling this episode, Jeff bought a Korean kitten. So (laughs) so I'm very, very close to that. I've made notes um, and uh, it's a, it's a, it's a contender just so you know, (laughs) I, I just keep thinking like, I, it's such a wonderful image of, you know, parental love or that feeling guys have, I don't know if women completely understand it. Like when you guys look upset, we scramble in our brains, you you know what I mean? Like, we're like, oh, how do we fix this? And I know Mm -hmm. everyone says that it's like, but it's not just... It's not just guys ignoring the world and being like, I'll just say something that'll make this better. You have an internal feeling like this woman that I really love is upset and I need to fix it. And I'm imagining that there had to have been some common that sense in him while he was standing there with that kitten and thinking, I really shouldn't do this. But then he just was overwhelmed by how much he cared about you guys and he shows up oh, with the kitten. It
1: didn't help that he had the other three with him when he adopted the oh, cat God. either. You know, it was like...
0: It's really unfair.
1: I'm sure the feeling of this, sh- I should not be doing this right now, was going through like his mind. But, the, of course, all three of the other children are there going, oh, dad. <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah, you guys, you're, very, you're much too nice. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I've decided. You're very nice. I don't even know. There's almost nothing I think my children could say to put me in that situation where I'd be like, yeah, you're right. It's good. I just I don't have that in me at all. Uh, I have it in other places. Not there. I defend my own mm. happiness first. Does he know you're allergic to kittens when he buys this kitten, or is that something you found out afterwards?
1: Um, no. We we knew, but I, <laughs> I, I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> we should just get off the subject of the cat. <laughs> no.
0: No. This whole episode to me is about buying that kitten, just so you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we were in a very, very bad place.
0: <laughs> no, no, I, I, you know, and I highlighted a little bit to to kind of, listen, I highlighted a little bit because I want medical professionals to hear your story and recognize that when they're standing in front of you in a, in a classroom or in a hospital room and trying to explain this whole new world to you, and you're standing there stoically and you're listening, the doctor's like, oh, they got it. They didn't get it they're Mm-mm. they're doing stupid things they shouldn't be doing. They can't think they're quietly in their head wondering why did this happen? Like the, you know, and then you send them out the door and you act surprised that they didn't like you know pick up more of it. And I'm not saying that you can stop people from being upset in a scenario like that, but you can recognize that it's happening and spend a little more human time with them to get them somewhere. That's what this podcast does. And I have I'm a little like lit up about it right now because I see somebody I know who has some sway in this community and they're partnering with a government agency to talk about how to talk about this with newly diagnosed people. Like how do you get the people and get them the right information? And I'm seeing people talk to them and it's all the same bull over and over again. Like the stuff I've been hearing for 20 years, like here's what's important, this is important, that's what's important. I'm telling you right now, that what's important is solid information that's easy to understand, that you can put into practice immediately and see results, so that you can build on it. It's not—it's not all of the stuff you know. It's not the damn Pink Panther book. Like that's—that's yeah. that's not what's going to help anybody. I it, seriously like. I don't know how many people have to listen to this podcast and have your experience before someone in the medical community hears it and says, Hey, you know what? We should probably just tell them what they need to know in a way they can understand. And, you know,
1: I think it was helpful too, that, you know, on many of the episodes you've talked about just doing it on your own. I think I had to get comfortable with that and say, okay, yes, I have medical care. If something were to ever happen, I feel comfortable taking her to the emergency room and Mm -hmm letting them handle it at that point because I'm not familiar with that. But the day-to-day, I don't really contact her team ever. Um, I just make the changes on my own. I don't.
0: And doctors will say it to you. Hey, you know, some will. Some good doctors will say, look, you're going to have to get comfortable and make adjustments. But that's a different scenario. You standing in a a cold room with a doctor aside, you know, saying, you know, this is on you. That feels different than hearing me say it. And so, you need a person, you know, in my situation, speaking directly to other people so that they can be comfortable, so they can see themselves in it. You, you know what I mean? And not and not just feel like a, a guy just told me to do something that there's no way I can do. Because it's what it sounds like when a doctor tells you. And then you, I mean, I I, I don't want to downplay what I'm doing here, but like, you know, you come on and you're like, you're listening, this is a regular guy here. And, you know, and he's, he's doing it. If he, I, I genuinely believe that people listening should think if this guy's doing it I could do it y- you know because there just is nothing particularly special about me and I I do it by not being scared by being the person who would have said no to three crying girls about a kitten you, you know like <laughs> just by just by kind of standing up and having a backbone and saying I'm not going to put up with this I don't know the answer but I'll figure it out and so now all the things that you guys hear now on the podcast that seem like I don't I don't know how to put it but like they seem like staples in the community at least for those of you listening these ideas just remember that they all started with me thinking I'm not going to let this happen and now yeah. and now I'm going to figure out how to stop it and with yeah. no direction whatsoever because I was not smart enough to google anything I don't listen to the doctor I very much got in my own head and broke this all apart which is now I think why I understand it well enough to explain it easily but um But you can do that too. Like you can, I hate to say think outside of the box because that just sounds, you know, trite. But like there's a way to reverse engineer problems and to remember that your first inclination comes from your fear. Like, you know what I mean? Like the first thing you think is like defense. Like, oh, I want to make sure this doesn't happen. I want to make sure this doesn't happen. I I flipped it around and I thought, I want to make sure that this happens. You you know, like forget being scared. I want to be bold. I want to figure it out. And that's why I now talk in T-shirt slogans on a podcast. Which <laughs> I'm glad it helps people. Uh, but I, I really think that, you know, better direction, better tools, easy to understand, repetitiveness. You can't let that go. Like, you know, when people always want to ask me, like, which podcast will tell me exactly how to do this? And I tell them, look, I know there's a lot of episodes, but just listen to all of them. Because eventually something will come up that will stick to you. And I can't know, you know, I can't know what Sarah Beth will hear to make her feel good versus what Jeff will hear versus what the rest of you listening will hear. Like you all need to hear something different. So I got to keep prattling on until I cover all of you. Like that is sort of how it makes me feel when I'm recording it. Like it's why I like having free flowing conversations because they don't lead me to say the same thing over and over again. And, um, I'm just really thrilled that this worked out so well for you. And how old is she now? Tell me a little bit about what's going on with her life. And then I'll let you get back to yours.
1: Uh, she's seven. Um, she She's doing really well. Um, I hope that it, should we continue to see results. She just actually, um, in July, she ended up going on the Omnipod. And so we've been fooling with that, learning that system, um, which was a relief for me, I had mastered MDI. Mm-hmm. I would like to say I, I shouldn't say I had mastered it. I'd like to think that I mastered it. I had done. I, we were doing really well. I mean, she got those yeah. A1C results without that was on MDI. That was not with a, a pump. Yeah. So um, now that she has that, you know, I remember there was a time where she didn't want the the injections. She would do it breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then she'd do a lot of you know, cheese sticks for snacks or, you know, something very low carb. Um, so, because she didn't want the shot. Gotcha. And she had said to me one day, she just broke my heart because she wanted something. And I said, you can have that. Um, you just have to, you know, she started out by saying, you don't let me eat anything. Mm. And I it just hurt so bad because she could have it. She just didn't want the shot that went along with it. Of
0: course.
1: Um, so, we finally, I, I went into the doctor and said, I really would like to get her on a pump because this is now what I'm struggling with. She, she realizes, she recognizes what's going on and doesn't want it. So, and I don't want it to, you know, become this, this piece for her. I want her to be normal. Yeah. So, um,
0: I, I, I try to remind people that, you know, you don't want an eating disorder and type one diabetes and you don't want to yeah. create that kind of an adversarial relationship with food. And that's exactly right. what that is. When she starts saying, I'd rather not eat if I have to do this, then you gotta find another way. You know, right away. And that's also what helped me believe it or, believe it or not, that's what you know, when I talk about doing like over-bolusing a meal that you can't pre bolus for. I started figuring that out when Arden said something similar one day when I, she's like, Hey, I'm hungry. And I was like, great. Just, you know, let's bowl us this much. And like 10 minutes from now you can eat it. And then she said, "Never mind. And, And I was like, okay, she doesn't even want to wait the 10 minutes. Not, not in this moment. She's okay with it other times, but in this moment she doesn't want to. So instead of pushing, I just thought, well, how do I stop this from being a problem? And you know, then I just, I just started, did that math about, putting in too much insulin to cover not just the food, but the spike that's going to try to happen and the number Mm -hmm. that's going to like, I just sort of extrapolated out. I did all that. I was like, well, I think if I did this much right here and she eats, maybe the spike still won't happen. And when that happened, I was like, oh, wow, look, I got around another problem, you you know, and and kept her from feeling like she couldn't say that she was hungry. So I, I, I love that you did that. Good for you. You were terrific. You really are. And we went way over time. So I'm sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> um, did you end up being nervous the whole way through?
1: Um, no, I would say, um, like, really, it was um, a lot to do with the podcast. Like, it was other people's stories, having that connection, um, knowing that it was possible. And then being able, there was, I can't remember exactly which one, but there were, I mean, you've said it multiple times, but the Focusing on being afraid of insulin. I there was a point where I was afraid, but you know, it's funny because I talk to Adeline's providers now, and it's I have the opposite. I saw what happens to a kid with super high blood sugar, right? I see the effects of that, and that scares me more than the low. You know, so often people are scared of their children going low. I've even seen people treat blood sugars that are like 80 90 because they're like oh that's that's too low um but not that that's wrong I don't want to make it seem like that that's what they're comfortable with but I'm not Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like I if I see you know anything above like 150 Adeline her whole persona changes Mm -hmm. you know we we jokingly sometimes I shouldn't probably say this but we say that she turns um, psychoglycemic. She's she just becomes this raging person when she's high, and it's harder to get through to her. So I mean, it's it's stressful to see the numbers, and then it's also stressful to deal with the type of you know her her personality that evolves from this high blood sugar. So I hate high numbers. I mean, I would rather deal with a low and give her a juice box or you know. Mm-hmm a sweet of some sort then, than have the high.
0: Sarah Beth, not only am I glad you shared that with people, but you just saved Jeff on the cat title because <laughs> psychoglycemic is probably going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you really pulled his butt out of the fire right in the ninth hour. Look at you. Excellent. Eleventh hour. Excuse me. I forgot the saying. But um, you really came through, unless you don't want that. To, to
1: oh, I don't care what you title <laughs> it. Like. You do your own thing.
0: I got another note the other day. Someone's like, I needed an episode on this. It would be helpful if the titles had something to do with the content. And I was like, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just listen to them. You'll figure it out. No, seriously. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it.
1: It was my pleasure.
0: Thanks so much to Sarah for coming on and sharing her story. And thank you, Dexcom and Omnipod, for sponsoring this episode. Please check out those links dexcom.com forward slash juicebox and myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox in mere moments. I mean, it'll probably take longer than moments, but in uh, no time at all, let's say. You could be wearing the world-class Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor and the amazing tubeless insulin pump called Omnipod. Just have to get started. You're looking for results like you're hearing about from people. These are some of the tools that some of those people are using. You could be some of those people too. Last little thing before I go... Like I said, I'm speaking in Atlanta this weekend. It's on February 29th. For those of you who snagged tickets, I can't wait to meet you. Please come up and say hello. And for those of you who didn't get tickets in time, I know you're not used to a Type 1 Nation event selling out, but you bring Scott down there, you add Jenny Smith. These tickets are not going to last. Anyway, I hope to see you. If you're in Wisconsin, I will be there Thursday, March 26th, from 5 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. doing a a three-and-a-half-hour talk. It's going to be a talk followed by a Q&A. I'm flying all the way to Wisconsin. I want that room nice and full, okay? These uh, You can find these links at ardenstday.com forward slash events. After that, I'm taking a little break to watch my son play some baseball, but I'll be back at it on Saturday, May 30th at the Touched by Type 1 event in Orlando, Florida. And then I've got something coming up in August at the JDRF Type 1 Nation event in Virginia. I'll be in Richmond. That's Saturday, August 22nd. I think there's a couple of other things that are going to get put on the calendar between now and then. But for now, that's all I have booked. And trust me, I'm getting tired of flying places. So please come see me before I'm I'm too old for this. I just, I got sick the last time I flew. There was a kid in the back of the plane. I sat down. I heard it right away. (laughs) I was like, that's it. I'm dead. Sure enough. Lost my voice. Did you heard it in the last episode, right? Where I'm doing the the promos and I'm like, I couldn't even get like my words out. Terrible. I'm better now. Thank God. I'm going to Atlanta in five days to speak for four hours. And two days ago, I couldn't speak on the telephone. So I've been resting my voice, which is probably something you can't imagine. And something my family seemed kind of happy about. They were like snickering at me when the doctor said I had to rest my voice if I was going to make it to Atlanta. But I will be there. Will you? I'll be back at the end of the week with some technology news I think you're going to enjoy hearing about.